Praise God. I'm thankful that I get to be in the house of the Lord today. Feel his presence and fellowship with him and with his people. You're a peculiar people, you know that? All of you. I say that as lovingly and as biblical as I can say it. You're a peculiar people. And it's fun to be around you. You all smile a lot more than other people that I'm around. You know that? That's just one of the things that makes you peculiar. But I like it. Praise God. <clears throat> I'm going to start reading if you want to turn there. I believe it's 1 Kings 17. Sorry, I cut my passage off of my notes. First Kings chapter 17. Verse 15. First Kings 17, 15. If you know me, you know I don't often give titles to messages. Oh, while we're on the, before I get into this, let me give you a teaser. I believe we may have a baptism after service, so I'm excited about that, and I said it's a teaser. If you want to know, you'll just have to stick around unless the Lord reveals it to you. Amen. Um, if you know me, I don't normally give titles to messages or just kind of by nature. I never really have unless the Lord just makes it such a clear thought. Um, I really wouldn't even call this a title, but I want to just start by telling you what the Lord has been talking to me about. Um, I believe these songs we sang today are ordered by God because believing in God is part of what I want to talk about. But if I were to give it a title, this is what I would call it. The Word, the Work, and Many Great Works. I'm going to try to spare you as much um, reading and context as I can today, but I want to look at a few different passages and show you some of what I see in the Scripture. All the way through... Uh, the, the book of First Kings, it tells the story of this king took over and then this one and then this king took over and this one. Well, we get to chapter 17 here and there's a king, Ahab, and there's a prophet, Elijah. Things have not been going well in the right direction for the nation of Israel. And the Lord decides, I'm going to do some things about it. I'm going to use this prophet and I'm going to tell him what to say to the king. So he goes to the king and he says, King, the Lord said it's not going to rain until I say so. See you later. And it didn't rain. And things started to dry up. There was a drought in the land. And that context is where we find what we're reading here. I'm going to read it from a different translation, but you can follow along. 
the Lord had taken that prophet out of the presence of the king and said, get out of here, go over there, and I'll sustain you during this drought. So Elijah goes into a town and he finds a widow and he says, make me some bread. And the widow says, well, you know what? I'm, I'm just about out of anything and everything. And in case you didn't know, there's a drought going on. And he says, well, just make me some bread. She said, well, I'm out here to gather firewood because I'm about to go cook the last of what I have. And my son and I are going to eat. And then we'll probably just die because this is the last of what we have. And he says, make me some bread. And you'll be fine. So she listens. She obeys. Everybody say she obeyed. She began to follow. She was willing to follow some instruction from this stranger she'd never seen before. She just thought, well, I guess I can make the final dinner for three instead of two. How about that? She gives him some, and she, she makes some for her son and for herself. So that's where I'm going to pick up reading right here. The widow went and did as Elijah had told her, and all of them had enough food for many days. They did eat many days, not one final meal. Everybody say, that's the first miracle that the Lord did for this lady. What was a final meal turned out to be enough for many days. As the Lord had promised through Elijah, the bowl did not run out of flour, nor did the jar run out of oil. Sometime later, the widow's son got sick. It came to pass after these things. That's what King James says. The widow's son got sick. He got worse and worse, and finally he died. Everybody say, he died. Uh, that's the start of the second miracle, in case you didn't know it. So his son, her son died. She says to Elijah, man of God, O thou man of God, that's what it says in King James. Man of God, why did you do this to me? Did you come here to remind God of my sins and so cause my son's death? Skip ahead. Next verse. He said, give me the son. He took him, went and prayed for him. Next verse. He cried unto the Lord. Lord, what are you doing here? I thought we were on to miracles by now, but now you make this boy die. Next verse. He stretched himself upon the child three times, cried and said, Lord, bring him back to life. Next verse. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Next verse. Elijah took the child and brought him down to the chamber of the house, delivered him to his mother, and said, Your son lives. Now, I just want you to watch what she says next. Next verse. The woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. I was reading that and I stopped and I thought, this is how you know. This is not the first miracle that the Lord's done for you, by the way, in my reading of just the last few minutes. He spared you from death many times over by providing supernaturally 
more flour, more oil. Hello? Did you forget that? And then this is where I felt like the Lord had told me this. There was the word, there was a work, and then another work, a greater work. This is the question I felt the Lord asked me to have us consider. What will it take for you to believe? What will it take for you to believe? Now I know that you're the man of God because you brought my son back from the dead. I guess she must have just thought he was a magician before. You got some magic supply of flour and oil. I don't know, but that, that's a great trick, and it was great and everything, but what, as soon as something worse happened, well, that's not good enough anymore. I need something more powerful. I need something better. What will it take for you to believe? Luke chapter 5 Verse 4. Keep in mind there, she did not believe or did not fully believe until that great work was done. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Jesus speaking. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. Somebody say, at thy word. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Verse 8. When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. <laughs> he recognized something in this man that was not like any other man. How did you do that? I just simply obeyed your word because you told me to go out there and do it again. So I went and did it. And now look, miracles. You're, you're awesome. I'm a sinful man, so why don't you just keep on moving along? That's what he said. Depart from me. I wonder how many times we focus on our own inadequacy instead of how great God is. He can do anything. Yes, he can. I better get out of here because I can't do anything. He can do anything in Brother Anthony's life. But I know me, and oh, I don't want to go there. So I'll just keep thinking how great he is for Anthony. And the whole call, man, the call your family is just blessed. God's great for them. I'm over here in my huddle, being a sinful man. Depart from me. That's... You wouldn't think that that's a natural response, especially from somebody. This is Simon Peter, by the way, who would say, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. You should just keep moving along and leave me here in my current state. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. That's what he said. For he was astonished. Verse 9. 
and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken in. Now I just want to I just want to talk to you for a minute about astonishing. That's a that's the word that, that the scripture uses to describe him and the men that were with him. They put their nets down, they bring up so many fish, they've got to have help with it. They've probably never seen that many fish caught at one time before. And they just think, wow. Wow. But listen, this is what it means to be astonished. It means to be mesmerized or to be seized by amazement. Almost frozen, like, wow. Let me tell you this. The Lord does not want you to be so fascinated by his works that you are incapable of processing him through what he does. Uh, okay, I'm going to keep reading. I wonder, I got another I wonder statement. I wonder how many of us do not experience more miracles because the Lord knows we are at risk of becoming a seeker of the miracles rather than a seeker of the miracle worker. I would, I would love to do this miracle in your life, but if I did, I would lose you. What do you mean you would lose me? Yeah, because then you're going to think that's all I am and all that I do. And you're going to predicate your relationship with me on that thing that I did. Thankfully, this was not the disciples' ultimate response, but it's in there, and I believe it's in there for us to see and know. Sure, you can be amazed and astonished at how great the Lord is and how awesome His works are, but you better not get caught up there. You better not get so hung up on, He's awesome, He can do it all, let's go see something else great. We call that a mountaintop to mountaintop relationship with the Lord. And if you've never been there yourself, you've probably recognized it in somebody else. The, mm, I don't want to get in trouble and I don't want to be mean. But the only thing they can tell you is, God's so awesome, he did this. And then a few, few years later, God's so awesome, he did this. And then another year later, God's so awesome. He Okay, well, a year is a lot of time. What, what about between that one and that one? What was he doing? What were you doing? Well, we won't talk about that. I just wanted you to know he's so great he did this, and he's so great he did that. I'll tell you how great he is to me. He woke me up this morning, and he said, Good day, sir. It's me again. Would you like to get up and live another day? By the way, that's your family. By the way, this is your house. By the way, here's some food for you. That's the relationship with the Lord. And you can, he, he can sweep in here and do something amazing anytime he wants, but whether he does or not, he's still good. He's still faithful. He's still a miracle worker. 
It's a, uh, I'm, I gotta get past this, but this, I think this is gonna be the last thing I say about it. And it's rough. It's, it's a sign of immaturity when the only thing a person can talk about is a miracle that the Lord did many years ago. I'm not saying you've got to stop talking about it. I'm saying if that's the only thing you can talk about, where's the rest? All right. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. I want you to, while you're turning there, Matthew 13, 54, just consider back where the apostle said, the disciple said, nevertheless at thy word. And then Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men from this point forward. And then many times it says that he just found one and said, follow me. Why? I, I, want, I just wonder that. Why did the disciples follow Jesus? It's a very simple answer. It's because he said so. There's nothing more than that. Follow me. I heard that. Okay, I'm going to follow it. There was not a once that the disciples said, I'll follow you, but how much do you pay? I'll follow you, but I'm making a pretty good living here, and I like my boat a lot, so can you match this? Uh how about, I'll follow you, but show me a sign first that you are who you say you are. Nope, we don't see any of that. They followed him because he said so. They heard the word of God. Matthew 13, verse 54. When he was come, this is Jesus, when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. Everybody say he taught them. I wouldn't blame you today if you answered this honestly. How many of you would rather have Jesus come incarnate here and teach instead of me? I would. Half of you need some honesty here. I'm just kidding. No. Just recognize he taught them in their synagogue. The man, Jesus Christ, who had, this is Matthew what? 13. He's already been on the scene. He's already done miracles. He's already getting well known. And then he goes back to Nazareth, his own hometown. He teaches in that synagogue, sharing his word. Insomuch that they were, here's that word again, astonished and said, Whence hath this man his wisdom and these mighty works? Who is this guy and how does he do what he does? They, they heard his word. They've heard of his works. They know who he is and what he does. Verse 55, they say, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? We know the guy. We know his family. His sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? Verse 57, And they were offended in him. Not they praised him. Not they went to tell others how great he is. They were offended at him. I, couldn't, I can't go there today. I don't have the time for it. But this is just a good little seed to plant the thought.
be careful when offense rises up in your spirit because you see the success of your brother or your sister. This guy is just nobody from my town. I tell you what, I could tell you how messy their backyard is. That's how close I am to them. How, who does he think he is? Just saying. They were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Verse, where am I? 58. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He's going everywhere and he's doing mighty works every place he goes. Healing people. Delivering people. And he goes to Nazareth and he cannot do... He shared his word the same as he did in other places. He taught them in the synagogue. They knew of his miracle working. All that... But it says he did not do many because of their unbelief. I'm asking you the question again. What would it take for you to believe? John chapter 2 verse 18. This is, a, this is a passage, you know, that Jesus comes into the temple. He sees people exchanging money. They've turned the temple into almost a well a place where they're exchanging money he doesn't like it John 2 18 he says then answered the Jews and said to him what sign showest thou unto us seeing that thou doest these things show us a sign of who you are nobody can just come in here and turn the temple over, turn all these tables over and start yelling at people and saying, you're supposed to be praying here. Who do you think you are? Show us a sign. Now, keep that in mind. Jump down to John chapter 6, verse 26. At the start of chapter 6 is when he feeds 5,000 by a miracle. John six twenty six. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Here's where I, I, I see kind of a, an introduction. or a, a, The Lord is saying, I'm not opposed to people seeing my miracles and learning about me that way and then deciding to follow me. I'm good with that. But you're not even here because of the miracles you saw and that they produced belief in you. You're just here because you ate yesterday and you want to eat some more today. I make this statement with all sincerity. I can imagine the Lord saying, I am not your food bank. I have no interest in just feeding you for the rest of your life because the miracle is supposed to produce faith in you to believe in me. 
Oh, I believe in you. I believe you're going you're gonna to keep giving me everything I need until you don't. I'm not trying to be rude, but I have seen that mentality over and over. And as the church, everybody hear me. I'm going to do a little bit of pastoring real fast. As the church and as you as a part of the church, people will come to you with this mentality. Your God's so good. He, 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 he gives stuff away, doesn't he? I mean, don't you serve the, the, the guy that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? How about just give me a quarter of beef? Right, that's all I need. I mean, if, you, if he's that good, all right, now we're crossing the line into you just wanting a handout to you tempting the Lord. If he's that good, you can spare 50 bucks. You know what? I can. I can spare 50 bucks. But more importantly than what I can do with my money is what I do that the Lord tells me to do with my money, which is be a good steward of it. That's a fun conversation one-on-one, I promise you. But this is what Jesus recognized in these people. You're here not because you saw the miracle, but because you ate the bread and were filled. Verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Everything I do is supposed to be leading to you believing in me. If you don't believe in me, then my work is unproductive. I like this Jesus. I can relate with him. Yeah, he's, he, 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 he's very loving, friendly, kind, patient, all those things. But the moment he sees in a person, you're a waste of my time. Ooh, that sounds harsh. That's exactly what he told him. And then he tried to escape without them knowing. I can't be around you. Sorry, I tried. What did I do? I, I did a miracle for you. So you, just, you need more miracles. Is that what it is? You need more miracles? Is that what it's going to take for you to believe on me? No. The work of God, he says, is for a person to believe on the one that God sent. Verse 30, I love their response. <laughs> they therefore said to him, What sign showest thou then? that we may see and believe. What dost thou work? They, it's not getting through to them. He's not interested in just performing more miracles so that hopefully you'll believe on him some more. What will it take for me to believe? I only got a few more passages. I won't take the time to turn there, but he tells Thomas, John 20, verse 29, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. 
Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. He tells Philip, John 14, 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily I say unto thee, He that believeth on me the works that I do, the same shall he do and greater. Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 121. 122. The Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block. Again, we see this throughout Scripture. The Lord is not, oh, this is, this is not the kind of thing you hear at most places, okay? But I'm trying to give you the Word of God. The Lord is not interested in stringing you or me along with miracle after miracle after miracle because He's so desperate to keep our faith up. This is the last passage I'm going to read. Luke chapter 16, verse 27. If you know this passage, uh, Jesus is speaking in a parable here. It's the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar. The rich man's not named, but Lazarus is. And Jesus sets up the story by saying, there was a rich man... He passed a, a, a lame man, a poor beggar, every day, and that man asked of him every day. And the rich man said, nope, 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 nope. Don't got time for you. Don't like you. Don't want anything to do with you. Just passed him and passed him and passed him. And then in the parable, Jesus says, they both died. And Lazarus, the beggar, he says he went to a place he calls it Abraham's bosom. And the rich man goes into a place of torment. Verse 27. This is the rich man speaking. He's already said, Send Lazarus to me, please. I'm so desperate for him, from him that if he would just bring me one drop of water, that's how desperate I am for what Lazarus has that I don't. And it's, no, sorry. You know in your lifetime he asked you for much, much. And you always said, no, no, no. Now you're in a place of need and nothing can be done about it. Then he said, this is where we're reading, verse 27. I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. If he can't help me, at least he can help those in my father's house. Next verse. For I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. I, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I had a thought flash through my mind as we were reading that last verse. The rich man. How did he get where he was and how can the Lord be just 
and saying, Lazarus is saved and coming to me, and you are being sent there for torment? There's the answer right there. The rich man had the same thing that his brothers have had, which he says here, Moses and the prophets. <laughs> oh, oh, you think that just going to the place of torment is bad enough? Let me remind you of this guy called Moses and the prophets that shared with you the word of God. Now he's going to be real honest. Next verse. The rich man says back to him, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. They won't listen to Moses or the... Uh, I feel about 500 things I want to speak right now, but this is the only one I can get out. Lame. That's the attitude of a lot of people towards the Word of God and the things of God. Lame. No, we need cool. We need fresh. We need hot. I don't know, cool and hot, I don't know how you can get both of them. But that's what we need. We don't need lame. We've heard Moses a thousand times. I grew up with parents that taught me, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. What is that? That's Moses. I know that already. I can quote it like the back of my hand. No, what he needs is somebody that's died and raised from the dead to go tell him to listen to God. That will help him believe. That's cool. That's fresh. That'll make headlines. That'll get followers. Really. What does he say? They will repent if, they sent, if he sent someone from the dead. Next verse. He said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. God will give you his word. Every person, God will give them his word. And it's on the person to decide. I hear it and I believe it, or I don't. What was the word that was given to the widow that we first read about in 1 Kings? The word that was given to her was, make me some bread. Uh, okay, I'll do that. But I don't know if I believe yet. It said it in the, in the verse, she did not believe. Until the final miracle. Now I know that thou art a man of God. They will not be persuaded from one that rose from the dead. I'm going to ask you one more time. We can stand. I'm coming to a close here. I'm going to ask you one more time. What will it take for you to believe? Now, as I was studying this, I felt like the Lord added one little piece at the end here. Because we put it in this context and usually we're just thinking, well, do we believe in God or not? Of course I believe in God. I'm here on a Sunday, aren't I? 
Well, that's true. Thank you. You line up after church, and I'll pat you all on the back if you want, if that's what you need. I believe in God. But look at this question. What is God asking you to believe for? I believe in his existence, definitely. I'm all about that. Genesis 1, oh yes, God created everything. I, can, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Okay, what is he asking you to believe for? It starts with, yeah, coming to the Lord and believing that he is. But I believe it. With all my heart, the Lord has gone to each one of us and spoken words to you from him. I don't even have to know what they are, but I know this is who he is and how he operates. And he'll speak a word to you, and then he'll say, do you believe that? And then many of us will spend years of time contemplating whether we believe that thing. Can the Lord really do that? Would he really like to do this? Can you believe? What does the Lord want you to believe for? Every eye closed. Come on, I feel the presence of the Lord. He's in here right now. He's asking you, what will it take for you to believe? What will it take for you to respond what will it take for you to know that I am God, that I am the truth, the way, that I am the life, and I want to do this thing for you. I want to reach into your life and change that situation. I want to reach into your life and heal that hurt. I want to reach in your life and touch your mind and touch your body. I want to heal every part of you. Come on, I want to use you in this ministry. I want to use you in this regard. I want to do this great work through you and this mighty miracle through you. But will you believe? What will it take for you to believe? I'm opening this altar right now. I'm asking you, respond to what the Lord's doing here today. Respond to what you feel, the presence of the Lord. Come on, He's asking each one of us, what will it take for you to believe? I've already given my word. I've already sent my son to die for your sins. I've already healed you. I've already touched your mind. I've already healed your family. I've already saved you. What will it take for you to believe the thing that I want to do in your life? What will it take for you to truly follow after me in the name of Jesus come on would you talk to the Lord would you be honest with the Lord and say Lord I'm here and I believe God I believe Jesus I know that you are who the word says you are I know you're the creator I know you're the healer I know you're the deliverer I know you have all power all strength I know that you work signs and wonders God and I know that you would work in my life directly I know that you would heal me of this one issue I know that you would change this one thing God whatever it is come on the Lord's dealing with us right now 
He's talking to us about ourselves. He wants to be real and personal with each one of us today. I know the thing that you're struggling with, the Lord would say. I know the thing that you battle. I know what you face when you leave this room, when you leave the church, when you leave the fellowship of people. I know the thing that you face, the challenges that you go through. Come on, he said it over and over. I've heard the cries of my people, my people that cry for a deliverer. I've heard the cries, and I will send a deliverer. I wonder if we could express faith to the Lord today. I believe, Lord Jesus. I believe, Lord Jesus. I believe, Lord Jesus. Work in my life, Lord. Work in my life, Lord Jesus. I believe in the hand of God on my life. I believe in the hand of God leading, guiding me throughout my day. I believe in the voice of God speaking into my spirit, speaking direction into my life. you today. He wants to help you. He's not angry with any one of us. He's here reaching for us. He's desiring to take us to a place of more belief, a place of great faith, a place of relationship with Him where I don't have to wonder, where I don't have to worry, where I don't have to question or doubt. He wants to take you to that place today. He wants to take you to that place would you let the Lord, come on, would you let the Lord lead you? Would you let the Lord speak into your heart? Would you receive the word of God into your mind?
praying, but I want you to hear, hear what I'm saying. Examine what's the first thing that the serpent said to Eve. His first three words, hath God said. Hath God said. Come on, when you, whenever you hear that voice, you know it's not from God. You know it's not from God. The enemy's the one that wants you to question, has God really said this? Could God really do this? Would God really lead me into a place like this? That's the enemy. That's the voice of the enemy. Come on, the word of the Lord is yea and amen. He says it, and it is. He speaks it, and that's what's true. That's what's right. Anything beyond that, any question, any doubt, that's not from the Lord. I believe the Lord would help us with that understanding today. This is my word. chapter 1 verse 3 it says and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season his leaf shall not wither whatsoever he doeth shall prosper A strong and stable Christian. A person that has a strong and stable walk with the Lord. 
is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And uh, I don't believe it's a, a little flimsy tree. I don't believe it's something that can get blown over very easily. The Lord does the work in His timing and in His season. That's why we can look at some trees, some plants, and say they grow so fast. And look at other ones and say, years later, they're still only this high. Why? Because the Lord controls the time and the season. And He grows a person according to His time and through His plan. Where we get in trouble is we say, I want to be like that tree. If that's not the way the Lord made you, it doesn't matter what you want to be. What matters is, will you let Him do His thing in your life? Because if so... You stop watching the clock. You stop watching the calendar and counting the seasons and thinking, why haven't I gone here yet? Why haven't I done this yet? No. A tree does not determine how fast it grows. But the promise is there. You will be like a tree. You will grow fruit in your season. Can we just close our eyes and pray to the Lord? Jesus, God, I thank you. I thank you for making each one of us, Jesus. I thank you for making us in your power, God, according to your plan. I believe it, God. Each one of us is made in your image. God, each one of us is created the exact way that you want us to be created, Lord. Help me, God, to not be displeased with the season that you take me through, Lord. If it's for my growing, if it's for my benefit, Lord Jesus, help me not to be displeased with it, God, but to trust you with it. And know this is the leading of your spirit. Know this is the work of your hand as the mighty creator. Father, I trust you with my life today. I trust you with my life today, God. I'm not worried about the time, Lord Jesus. I'm not worried about the season of life and how long it may last, oh God. You've made all things perfect in their time. You've made all things perfect in their season. Jesus, just like you've made each one of us today, you make all things perfect in their time, oh God. I thank you for it, Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. Come on, this is a prayer of faith right now. This is a prayer of faith between you and the Lord. I believe, God. I believe in the work of your hand in my life. I believe in the leading of your spirit in my life, God. I believe in the sound of your voice, God, speaking into my spirit. I believe in the, the direction, God, that you've placed me in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I believe in you, O oh God. I believe in you, O oh God. You're the one that spoke the worlds into existence, Jesus. You're the one that created the winds, O oh Lord. The waters, the mountains, the seas, everything that I know. It all came here from you, Jesus. And you've created me just to do my part 
God, you've created me to live the life, Lord, that you would call me for. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I want your hand in my life, God. I want your hand leading me, God. I want your hand leading me, Jesus. The Lord's going to keep working because that's who He is and that's what He does. But He's also waiting for you to get in line with His work. He's waiting for me to be aligned with His will. He's going to keep working. He's not going to stop working because that's who He is. But He's waiting for each one of us to say, Lord, I want to be in line with the work that You're doing. I want to do my part, Lord Jesus. I want my life to be submitted to your plan, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Work in me, I pray, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to encourage you. As we dismiss today, I want to encourage you to expect some things from the Lord. And uh, I guess what I'm feeling from the Lord is look for the difference. If you go right out of here back to exactly how things were, I don't know where the difference is. But if there's a change, it's not because of me or anything else done here today, but it's because of the Lord. And he, he wants to He wants to confirm those things to us. He's our Father. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit and your word that we feel here today. I thank you for the truth of your word, God. I thank you for the plan that you have for each one of us, Lord. I thank you for the hope that we feel here today, God. You are the hope that we need, Jesus. I thank you for it. I pray your covering upon this people, Lord Jesus. God, as we go from here today, Lord, into the lives that you've called us to live, into the plans that you have for us, God, I pray let us walk in your will. Let us walk according to your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.